Sometimes I am scared to death. Religious people drive me crazy. Sometimes I don't really want to pray. Sometimes I have my doubts about God. And I'm a pastor? I'll keep you How you guys doing? I'll tell you, one church is so cool. This is the one church you can come and listen to a sermon and worship in a sauna. You get to lose weight. How many of y'all are hot? How many of y'all just want to say, it's too hot to listen to a sermon? I'm going to go home. Sorry. Uh, Cool. I'm telling you, we don't uh, celebrate stuff enough here enough. So Enough here. You know what I'm saying. Um, I want to tell you, Easter... We had 550 people here. Isn't God good? Easter is always the highest attended Sunday of all churches. Do you know what the lowest attended Sunday of all churches is? Sunday after Easter. All right. Uh, last Sunday, we had 450 people here. So I'm telling you, God is so good. In fact, if you'd missed the baptisms this morning, I'm going to be honest with you, you missed out. Um, you need to get here a little earlier. It was awesome. That is what we celebrate here at One Church. It's lives being changed. Our mission is to lead people into that growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And that begins with a relationship. And what was so cool, we had four kids saying, you know what? I'm willing to get baptized because I'm advertising Jesus. It's all about Jesus Christ. So um, really, really cool. If you want to get baptized, I'd encourage you. If you've never done that and you have a relationship with God, you need to do that. It's really cool. Uh, we're in the middle of this series called Confessions of a Pastor. We've been talking about a lot of pastors. They do a lot of image management, and they don't want to let people in and see the chinks in their armor and stuff like that. And I'm trying to show you my chinks because my chinks have chunks in it. And you can realize if my chunks have chinks in it, then you can blow chunks so that we can all have chunky chinks together. You know what I mean? Make sure to edit that out of the podcast, please. Thank you very much. Um, today, my confession to you is this. That sometimes I am incredibly lonely. I am incredibly lonely. Let me tell you what God says about loneliness. You know, in Genesis, the first chapter, God creates all of these things. And he creates the sun. And he says, it is good. He creates the moon. It is good. He creates, he creates animals. They're good. He creates plants. They're good. He creates man. He says, he is good. He, uh, he creates woman. And man says, she's really good. <clears throat> The one thing, though, that God said was not good is found in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. And it says, then the Lord God said, it is not good. Everybody say not good. It is not good for a man to be alone. God said loneliness is not good. Why? Because God created us to be in community, in relationship with other believers. God didn't say, you know what, it's, it's good for people to... Not, it's not good for people to be alone, so you need to be with people unless you're a pastor. Because you would think that I wouldn't be lonely, but i got to be honest with you, many times I, I get lonely. Um, you would think that I would just have tons of friends and acquaintances, and I'd be out on Friday, Saturday nights, and you know, we'd be having a great time. And, you know, and, and I never crave relationships. I never crave intimacy with other folks. And I would be lying if I told you that, that I am, many times, I, I just get lonely. 
I get lonely. And I'll tell you, um, one of the, the reasons why um, I, I, a lot of times I feel alone is this, is because I just, it's just hard to connect sometimes with people because they put you on a pedestal. And, um, and, and to be honest with you, it doesn't help because a lot of preachers kind of keep people at distance, and it's just not good. In fact, I remember uh, one of the churches I served at previously, I got there, and one of the leadership says, you can't get close to anybody here at this church. Because if you get close to one family and not close to other family, then people are going to get jealous. He says, you can't get trust, you, you can't get close to people. You can't trust people here. Um, uh, and he says, I was friends with a previous pastor. And every time our, us and uh, we all got together and our wives got together, we had to leave town so that people wouldn't know that we're together. Greek word I have for that. Bunk. This is not middle school. Okay? And uh, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I have never liked that advice. And I can't be like that. Because God didn't create me like that. He created me to be relational in the being. A, a, a relational person. I mean, because, you know, you struggle. And a lot of times you bring your struggles to me. And, you know, and I listen. But what happens when I struggle, right? Because I do. What happens when I doubt? What happens when my head, you know, hits the windshield of life and I just go, wow, you know, where, where am I going to do? Where am I going to go? The reason why I've experienced loneliness is two primary reasons. The first one is somebody else's problem. The second one was Kim and I's problem. Um, the first problem is this. A lot of times, a lot of churches you go to, they expect you to perform. You know, their mindset is this, is you come and we're paying your salary and you got to keep the right people happy or you no longer have a salary. First time I, 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 my head hit this uh, little truth, little nugget of truth, I was in Alabama in uh, a little church of about 300 hired me as their college pastor. And this little church had six college students in the town of Auburn that has 30,000 college students going there. 30,000, they got six. So I'm going, huh. all right. So uh, we prayed about it. We started getting in there. And literally overnight, we went from six to 150 college students. And you would think everybody would be going, praise Jesus. It, that wasn't the case. Let me tell you what I got. My Aunt Bertha bought that pew. And I've always sat in that pew. And all these daggum college students come and I ain't got no place to sit. Or, you know what? I had, there was tons of parking before the college students got here. Now the college students here, I ain't got anywhere to park. You know? And the one person who really didn't like me was the church librarian. She was an older lady, and, you know, this was a small church. There wasn't a lot of space. So we had all these college students, so the, one of the biggest places for us to meet was in the church library. So I had a key. So I opened up the church library on Wednesday nights, and we got together, and we prayed, and we sang songs. And she came up to me the next day, and she says, Do you know whose library that is? That's my library. <laughs> and I said, Really? Isn't that special? And I said, okay. And uh, she, she says, you know, you get all these college students in the day, she says, they're going to they're gonna mess up my Dewey Decimal System. The Dewey Decimal Let me say something. God did not die for the Dewey Decimal System. He didn't die for Robert's Rules of Order. He didn't die for buildings or with, you know, that have antiquated, like, pews and, like, stuff. He didn't die for committees. Jesus died for people. And people and Jesus matter. 
So I'm telling you, as we continue to grow and God continues to do great things in our midst, let's keep our mind and our eyes focused on Jesus and people because the rest of it is going to burn. All right, the rest of it really doesn't matter. I'll tell you, the, the head of the deacons of this church came up to me and said, you know, uh, you're just going too fast. God's moving too quickly. You, you need to eat the elephant one bite at a time, is what he said. I says, this, Susan, this is what I respond. I says, what if the elephant needs to be shot? I didn't go over well. Um, and uh, he says, and then he says, you know what? He realized he wasn't getting anywhere. He says, you got to remember who pays your salary. It's not these college students because everybody knows they don't give anything. It's the people inside the church that pays your salary. So you need to remember that. Let me just tell you something. I'm going to put it out there. You know who pays my salary? God. God pays my salary. And let me tell you, my focus will always be Jesus and people and not the Dewey Decimal System. All right? I give you my word about the Dewey Decimal System. All right. Well, here's the problem with that is this. After a, a while... You know, we like, well, we just got burned. I mean, it was, we left on great terms. It was great. We had a lot of people. But it was just like people can, can fight over dumb stuff like the Dewey Decimal System. So what Kim and I started doing is, and this is why we experienced loneliness, and this was our fault, is we started retreating. We had this mindset, in order to, to do life, to really to survive in life, you can't trust anyone. You can't trust anyone. Maybe you feel the same way. Maybe you burn, you've been burned, maybe you've been betrayed, and you feel like you always got to keep your guard up. Anytime you let your guard down, you're going to get a left hook to your chin. You've got to keep your guard up in order to be able to make it in life. Do you know what will happen if you trust people? You will get hurt. You will. I'm just going to go ahead and put it out there. And you know what? I will get hurt. But the pain of trusting people and sometimes getting hurt is a whole lot better than not trusting anyone at all. In fact, this is how C.S. Lewis, he talks about this whole thing. C.S. Lewis, he's the dude who wrote the Chronicles of Narnia. Um, he says, to trust, you must be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping your heart intact, you must give your heart to no one. You must trust no one. Wrap it carefully around with hobbies and your little luxuries. And avoid all relational entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or the coffin of your own selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, your heart will begin to change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable irredeemable. The only place outside heaven where you can be perfectly safe from all the dangers of love is hell. And that is so true. I've been there. Not trusting people, keeping people at a distance, keeping your guard up. And I've become like a turtle in the middle of the road. How many of y'all ever seen a turtle in the middle of the road? Alright? How many of y'all have ever stopped the car and picked up the turtle and helped the turtle across the road? Okay, very good. How many? Raise your hands. Okay, how many of y'all, you see turtles in the middle of the road, you speed up? Raise your hands. Come on, people. All right, all right, Ryan, you are a bad man. All right. So um, let me tell you, Ryan's address, if PETA, if you like, no, I'm just joking. All right, cool. Um, you know what? <laughs> that, that turtle, their survival instinct is when they see a car barreling 60 miles an hour down the road towards them, this is what they think. You know what? I'm going to pull my legs in, I'm going to pull my head in, and the car just magically disappears. Right? 
I mean, I wonder, I mean, this wonderful survival instinct, I wonder in the last two seconds of their brief life, I mean, they just had ser- serenity, serenity now, serenity now, right? I mean, because, and I'll tell you, there's been many times that Kim and I have retreated into our shells of self and just kind of just retreated and say, you know what? It just doesn't exist and life doesn't exist. And that is wrong. Um, so I love reading leadership books. One of, uh, how many of y'all ever heard the leadership uh, thing that if you lead people, you can't need people? How many of y'all ever heard that? If you lead people, nobody else have heard that? Just me. Again, me and you. All right? If you lead people, you can't need people. Um, let me tell you, that is a lie. Uh, we're going to be looking at Exodus chapter 17 today. If you have the One Church Bible, uh, we're on page 57. And as you're turning there, start flipping if you've got your Bibles. Um, Exodus chapter 17, I'm going to kind of set it up for you. Uh, Genesis and Exodus were both written by Moses. And um, Moses, God had a plan and he chose a man to deliver and work out God's plan of delivering the Israelites out of bondage from Egypt. So he chose Moses. And he told Moses, I want you to go into Egypt and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. All these people from Sunday school. Thank you very much. It was two of you. All right, cool. I'm glad I'm going over the story. Let my people go. And they said, and Pharaoh said, no. And then something bad happened. Let my people go. No. And it happened ten times. And finally, Pharaoh, got, he, why, he you know, got wise, and he says, okay, you can let them go. So, I mean, the same Moses, the person who led the Israelites out of Egypt, I mean, he's leading them out of bondage through the Red Sea, and, and he's taking them to a promised land. It's a land God had promised the Israelites. And in Exodus chapter 17, verse 8, this is where we pick up. Uh, we're going to be reading from verses 8 to verse 13. While the people of Israel were still at Rephidim, the warriors of Amalek attacked them. Moses commanded Joshua, choose some men to go out and fight the army of Amalek for us. Tomorrow I will stand at the top of the hill holding the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did what Moses had commanded and fought the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses, Aaron, and Hur climbed to the top of a nearby hill. As long as Moses held the staff in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage. But whenever he dropped his hand, the Amalekites gained the advantage. So Moses' arms soon became so tired he could no longer hold them up. So Aaron and Hur found a stone to sit him on. And they stood on each side of Moses holding up his hands. So his hands held steady until sunset. And as a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in battle. This passage of scripture blows out of the water. You can't lead people if you need people. Because Moses needed some help. You know, it's just, it's just a lie. In fact, let me just say this. Greatness, greatness cannot be achieved alone. John Maxwell said this. One is too small a number to achieve a great, a, a greatness. I agree. You know, the belief that one person can make a difference, just not right. There are no solitary Rambos that can take on an army by himself. But there is this. How many of y'all have seen this? Man, it's massive. Being able to see that, you know, there are no solitary Rambos, but there are a band of brothers. Who? All right. I mean, think about it like this. Davy Crockett. 
Davy Crockett, who blazed the wilderness trail, he didn't do it alone. He had people in the Transylvania Company who were going with him. You know, Wyatt Earp. Wyatt Earp didn't do it alone. He had his two brothers, Stuart and Morgan, and then he had a friend named Doc Holliday. I'm your huckleberry, right? <laughs> Spiritual movie, friends. Um, uh, Charles Lindbergh, you know, he flew across the, uh, the Atlantic Ocean. He did it by himself, right? Well, he had nine investors from St. Louis, and that's the reason he named the Spirit of St. Louis, because he had help. You can't do it alone. Even... Even the Lone Ranger had Tonto, right? All right, cool. All right, so let's break this down and, and realize that the whole lead people can't need people is all messed up. All right, verse 8 and 9 of, of Exodus 17. While, people, while the people of Israel were still at Rephidim, the warriors of Amalek attacked them. Moses commanded Joshua. Now, Moses was the leader. Moses is the one in Exodus 33, 11 that he spoke face to face with God. I mean, he had a, a, a great... He's the dude who parted the Red Sea, struck the rock, and water came out. He turned the Nile into blood. Uh, it was Moses' staff that did that. God used Moses. Moses was the leader. But yet we see Moses commanded Joshua. You know, Moses realized a great leadership principle, and it's this. You have to replace yourself. Moses understood that someday someone else would be doing what he was doing this point in his life, Moses was 80 years old, and he didn't know how much time he had left. So he says, I'm going to pour my life into someone else. I am going to replace myself. And here's the thing. You can either hang on to your job and white-knuckle it for as long as you want to, and ultimately you will be replaced because you'll either leave or you will die. Or, number two, you can actually pour your life into somebody and strategically replace yourself. Have your hand in the replacement. But make no mistake, you will be replaced. No one is irreplaceable, not even Moses. Not even Moses, who spoke face to face with God. All right, uh, Exodus 17, 9. Moses commanded Joshua, choose some men to go out and fight the army of Amalek for us. Tomorrow I'll stand on top of the hill holding the staff of God in my hand. Look at this. Moses, Moses chose Joshua and Joshua chose men. Moses chose Joshua, and Joshua chose men. Let's all, let's all say that together. Moses chooses Joshua, and Joshua chooses men. Let's say it again. Moses chooses Joshua, and Joshua... I want you to remember that, because we're going to come back to this. There is a leadership principle found right here, because Moses realized he had limitations. You see, this, the skill set he had of leading people out of bondage was a totally different skill set than he needed now of actually leading an army into battle. He knew he couldn't do it alone. So you know what he did? He chose a great military leader like Joshua. He realized his limitations and he realized that he couldn't do it alone. He led out of his strengths and not out of his weaknesses. Where he was weak, Moses surrounded himself with people. And that is our big idea for today. Team-based leadership maximize, excuse me, minimizes strengths and maximizes weaknesses. Team-based leadership maximizes strengths and minimizes weaknesses. Here's a great video that illustrates this point to a T. Y'all watch this.
Team-based leadership maximizes strengths and minimizes weaknesses. Because all of us have weak areas, and all of us are strong at something. Think of it this way. Mozart is wonderful at music, but let's say he was bad at math. What if he spent all of his time working on math and not music? What about Michael Jordan? Michael Jordan has two passions, basketball and baseball. One he's really good at, one he's kind of mediocre at. What do you think if Michael Jordan spent all of his time trying to get better at baseball and ignoring basketball? You know what would happen? None of us would know the name Michael Jordan. Because all of us have strengths. All of us are a 10 at something. So instead of spending all of your time trying to break up a weak area, maybe you're a three at and bring it up to a five, lead out of your strengths and where you're weak, you bring a team around you. This is where we're going to be going. Exodus 17, 10 and 11. So Joshua did what Moses had commanded and fought the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses, Aaron, and Hur, by the way, Hur is a hymn, Climbed the top of a nearby hill. As long as Moses held up the staff in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage. But whenever he dropped his hands, the Amalekites had the advantage. I mean, how many of y'all can... Everybody put your arms up. Let's get Pentecostal. All right. I, oh, this... Y'all, look at this. I, I asked the 9 o'clock crowd, so some people are going... All right. All right. Y'all just used deodorant this morning. That's good. All right. All right. I just keep them up. I'm going to ask you to keep them up through the rest of my sermon. I'm joking. You can put them down. I mean, everybody can hold your arms up for three minutes. No, no problem, right? Ten minutes, yeah, probably good, right? Fifteen minutes, 25. We can do probably 25. But I tell you, you would feel the burn, all right? How long do you think it took Joshua to defeat an army? A whole lot longer than three minutes. A whole lot longer than 25 minutes. It probably took longer than a couple of hours. Moses couldn't do it by himself. Moses needed help. Moses needed people to come alongside him to help him because we all get tired. We all get lonely. We all get frustrated. We all want to throw in the towel. Team-based leadership maximizes strengths and minimizes weaknesses. That is is it. Now the next verse I'm going to read, two people last week quoted me this verse. And I, I wasn't even planning on going in Exodus, to be honest with you. In fact, last week as I was spending time every day reading God's Word, I was reading Exodus 17 and Exodus 18. So, you know, I'm reading it and two people are telling me about it and I'm thinking, God, you know, is this what you want me to preach on? So, so there I am. Next verse, verse 12. Moses' arms soon became tired so he could no longer hold them up. Moses is not a young man. How old is he, is he here? Eighty. So Aaron and Hur found a stone for him to sit on. They stood on each side of Moses holding his hands so his hands held steady until sunset. The two people that quoted this verse to me, Dr. Scott McCullough was one, and Luther Ramsey. And both said this, Chris, we're here for you. We know it's tiring, you, you know it's rough, but if you need some help, we're here for you. You know, I love my job. I so love it. I mean, I get to hear you guys and, 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 and be able to talk about what God is doing in your life. But, you know, like I said, I, you get so much, hey, I got needs, 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 needs. And sometimes I just, I just, I need somebody to listen to me because I can get lonely. 
it can get difficult. And here's the thing. As we continue to grow, God is continually busting us at the seams. Two things. I, I, I just It's so obvious. I have to be intentional about replacing myself. I don't plan on going nowhere, but God may have other plans. He may take me out with a semi. All right? I mean, totally. Um, so you know what? One of the things I do is 45 weeks out of the year I preach here, and the other weeks I let other people do it. Not because I don't want to do it. It's because I want team-based leadership. Another thing that's very obvious to me is this, is I need people to help me. The idea you can't lead people if you need people, it's messed up. We do need that. One of the best ways you can hold my arms up is by praying for me, getting down on your knees and praying for me. I mean, I got people in here in my small group. They pray for me regularly because they know I need a lot of prayer. All right, let's keep on going. Exodus 17, 13 says this. As a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in battle. Now, why did, why did they win? God, good, very good. Yep, I would definitely say that. That's a correct answer. You see, they won because Joshua fought the battle, because Moses held up his arms, and because Aaron and Hur helped Moses. Each and every one of those had played an indispensable role in God bringing about the victory. It is team-based leadership. What's so crazy is this. We took all of our staff to Linden, Tennessee over the weekend. All right. What's in Linden, Tennessee? Nothing. All right. Um, but there was a, a big, uh, tall, 40-foot rope course. <laughs> that, that's it. I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, you know, it looked a whole lot, you know, farther down. You know, it looked, oh, that's no big deal. You know, when you're on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. And here's this next picture of me climbing up it. And I got to be honest with you, scared to death. Seriously, the more I'm climbing, I almost fell off just trying to get up there. All right. And uh, I get up there and it's me and it's Mike Nelson, our, our teaching pastor, connect pastor. It's uh, Andy Wargo, it's Andy's daughter. It's Marie uh, Nelson, Mike's uh, wife. And, you know, it's me and Mike. And Mike is scared of, well, in fact, was, I don't even know Mike's even here. Hey, Mike is scared to death of heights. Is that not right? And, and Mike is here. He's there. And I'm, I'm, I'm the caboose. All right? In fact, look at this next part. We had to go over these, like, little planks. And, you know, like, here's, here's Mike Nelson and here's Chris. And, in fact, literally, this is true. I looked at Mike uh, 40 foot up in the air, me hugging onto him. And I said, you know, I guess I should have made a tic-tac before this. <laughs> You know, the great thing about this course is you, you cannot do it alone. You cannot do it alone. It's impossible. Let me say this. Life is impossible if you try to do it alone. Church is impossible if you just try to do it alone. It's too much for one person. Life is too much for one person if you say, you know what, I can do it. You know, it's like my two-year-old saying, I can do it by myself. Whatever, right? I really feel like sometimes God's going, you know, you're like, you're like a two-year-old. I can do it myself, 
All right? No, you can't. And I can't. We need help. We need help. And what's so cool about this is this. Joshua chose a man because God had a plan to get him out of Egypt. And then God chooses, Moses chooses a replacement and chooses a team. Team-based leadership. Now, you'd think Moses had learned his lesson, but he didn't. Next chapter, Exodus 18. I'm going to fly through this. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, is hanging out with Mo. All right? So his son-in-law. And here's what happens in Exodus 18, verse 13 and 14. The next day, Moses took his seat to hear the people's disputes against each other. They waited before him till morning, till evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he asked a great question. What are you really accomplishing here? That's a great question. Why are you trying to do this? Let's all say those next word together. Great question. Moses, why are you trying to do this all alone? While everyone stands around you from morning till night. I mean, you can't get it done. It's too big for one person. Haven't you learned the lesson with your whole arms? Needing help with that? You were never intended to do it alone, Moses. <clears throat> Listen to what Moses replies. Moses replied, because the people. He asked the question, then Moses says, because these people. <laughs> because these people come to me when, to get a ruling for God. Now look at this next verse. There's a whole lot of I's and me's in here. I believe Moses had an overstated opinion of himself. That happens a lot with leaders. When a dispute rises, they come to me, and I am the one who settles the case between the quarreling parties. I inform them of the people of God's decrees and give them his instructions. I, you know, Moses is the leader, but I think he had an eye problem. He, he overstated his importance and his view of himself. He, he thought he was the only one who could do what he was doing. Moses was all alone, and he's saying it's lonely. And Jethro says, well, I guess so. You didn't learn your lesson. So Jethro got to put a crack-a-lack upside Moses' head. And this is what Jethro says. This is not good. There's an understatement. Moses' father-in-law said, you're going to wear yourself out and the people as well. The job is too heavy a burden for you to handle all by yourself. Now listen to me and let me give you a word of advice and may God be with you. You should continue. Look at this. You should continue to be the people's representative before God, bringing their disputes to him, teaching them God's decrees and giving him instructions. Show them how to conduct their lives. He's saying, you know what? I'm not saying don't lead. I'm not saying stop preaching. I'm not saying stop doing what you're doing. I chose you as the leader. You keep on doing it. Don't stop leading, but he continues. But select from all of the people some capable Honest men who fear God and hate bribes. Appoint them as leaders over groups of 1,000, 100, 50, and 10. And they should always be available to solve the people's common disputes. But have them bring major cases to you. Let the leaders decide the smaller matters themselves. This will help you carry the load, making it the task easier. Everybody say that word. Easier for you and you will be able to endure. There's a great quote. Endure the pressures. And these people will go home in peace. You see, leadership was never intended to be done alone. You don't have to be lonely. You have to open yourself up to people. You have to trust people. And you will get hurt sometimes, but you keep on trusting. God had never intended to be a one-man show because we all need help. We all need a helping hand. We all need accountability. I need accountability, and so do you. 
We have to be intentional about replacing ourselves. And you know what's so cool? This model that we just see here is, is reproduced in the New Testament as well. Last two passages of Scripture and we're done. Paul is this church planter. And he goes around from all of these cities, Corinth, Ephesus, Philippi, Thessalonica, all of these major cities, and he's bringing people with him. He's replacing himself. He brings people like Barnabas and Silas and John Mark and Timothy and Titus and all of these, you know, all of these people around him, and he replaces himself. So he goes to the city of Ephesus, this massive city, and he plants a church. And he immediately, he says, Timothy, you, you came with, I want you to stay here because I know I'm going to be leaving soon. So he, he puts Timothy at the church over the church of Ephesus. And this is, he writes a letter to him later. He doesn't write it to the entire church of Ephesus. He writes it to Timothy. The letter is called Timothy. All right. First and second Timothy. Second uh, Timothy 2.2 2 says, Paul writing, and the things you, that's Timothy, have heard from me, Paul, say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable men, that's team, who will also be qualified to teach others. Paul chose Timothy, and Timothy is supposed to choose people. Where have you heard that? Moses chose Joshua, and Joshua chose men. Moses chose Joshua, and Joshua chose warriors. Paul chooses Timothy, and Timothy chooses warriors. That, that, that is the model repeated all throughout Scripture. Paul wrote this letter to an individual, Timothy, so that he can appoint a team. That is how it is. Now, in Titus, one of Paul's friends, Paul goes to Crete, starts a church, and guess who he leaves there? A dude by the name of Titus. He wrote a letter to him called Titus, very good. Titus chapter 1 verse 1 says, This is letter is from Paul, a slave of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ. I'm writing to Titus. I left you on the island of Crete so that you can complete our work there and appoint elders in each town as I instructed you. Paul is saying, I left you in Crete to finish a job and the job's not finished until you appoint a team. The job's not finished until you replace yourself. You have to find these capable, warrior-like men to be able to stand beside you, to hold your arms up, to be able to do ministry and to do life with you so that it's not done alone because you need some help, Titus. It's going to get lonely. It's going to get frustrating. You need some help. You need accountability. You need people around you because team-based leadership maximizes strengths and minimizes weaknesses. You see, leadership doesn't have to be lonely. Let me say this. Life doesn't have to be lonely. You're here today, and again, what's so cool is our community group. Our community group started this January. Everyone in our community group is either in the military or have been in the military, except. And we talked about this about a month ago, just, you know, because one of the things that's so hard is your rank is you, right? And you know what? We leave that smut at the door. I mean, we said, and I even said it on the first day, I says, I may be your pastor on Sunday morning, but you're going to hear me say some things, and you're going to say, well, he doesn't sound very pastorally. Well, you're going to have to get a grip, because I need a place that I can be real with people. And you know what? I told them the same thing. You know, you've got to leave that rank stuff at the door, because you may be sergeant so-and-so, but when you come in here, you bill. All right? And, and I, I'm not pastor, I'm Chris. And one of the things they talked about is, you know, we can't let people see our weaknesses. 
Uh, and that may be true in the military. I, I, you know, I, that may be true. And, and maybe you can't do that in the military, but you need to find a place where you can do it. You've got to find a place where you can be real with people, where you're not lonely, where you can do life together. And let me tell you where that happens at one church. It's called community groups. I'll tell you, next Sunday, you need to be, if you're not in a community group, I'm just telling you, if you're not in a community group here at one church, you won't last here. You're not going to last. Well, the sermon may be good, you know, worship may be good, but I ain't going to be in one of those community groups, boy. Well, you ain't going to last. Because let me tell you, what is most important here is not this. It is community group. And that, when does it happen? Whenever you want it to. How about that? What do you do with child care? You know what? We pay you to find somebody to watch your kids. Really? Yeah. It's that important to us. So I'm telling you, next Sunday at 1015. Everybody say 1015. Next Sunday in there, in the gymnasium, we're doing a group link. And what that is, is you can find people. Hey, they look normal. You want to go with them? Right? All right? You find a group, and group link is the way where you get into a group. So my encouragement to you today as we end is this. Don't do it alone, people. You know, you may have to keep up that rank and keep up that, that chain mail defense system when you're at PT. But you need a place where you can drop your guard. You need a place where you can just be Chris, Bill, Randy. Mike, Sue, you need a place where you can just be you that happens in community group. In fact, as we end the service, I'm going to show you a video of how you can get into a community group. Y'all watch this.